Welcome to the Healing for Male Survivors podcast. This is a podcast for male survivors of sexual abuse and assault, whether as a child or as an adult. Know that you are not alone and the abuse was not your fault. My name is Mike Chapman. I'm a certified recovery life coach and also a survivor. Let's find hope and healing together. Thank you for joining me again today for this very special multi-part episode. Back in October of 2022, four different agencies serving male abuse survivors, including Men Healing and Male Survivor, developed Male Survivor Awareness Day to coincide with the month of October's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. While those agencies planned their own events, Drew Boa of Husband Material and I thought it would be good to set up our own live event with participants of the Husband Material Membership, specifically its subgroup Fellowship for Abuse Survivors. Fellowship members submitted poetry and other items to be shared, some live, some previously recorded, and some read by others. The event was co-hosted by myself and Dr. Doug Carpenter, author of Secret Shame, A Survivor's Guide to Understanding Male Sexual Abuse and Male Sexual Development. Doug shared all types of information and statistics as part of the event. The goal for this event, and the day in total, was to help non-survivors how to understand and work with survivors to help support them on their healing journeys. I am very proud to have helped organize this event uh, and with the end results. We are planning a similar event for 2023. If you would like more information about the this year's event, feel free to contact me at polarliveconsulting.com for more information. And here we go with part one of HM's Male Survivor Awareness Day 2022. Hey man, today's episode was created in honor of Male Survivors Awareness Day, and it was recorded on that day without me, which makes it the very first episode of Husband Material that does not include Drew Boa. It's also the very first community-based episode where men came together, joining their voices, their stories, and their statistics to present you with a really great snapshot of what it's like to be a male survivor of sexual abuse. If you yourself are a survivor, then this will be incredibly encouraging and you will feel surrounded by men who understand what you have gone through. And if you are not a survivor of sexual abuse, this episode was actually designed for you to give you the education and instructions you need on how to understand and relate to men who have been through the hell of childhood sexual abuse. You'll learn a lot through the stories, statistics, and poetry that's shared. By listening to this episode, you are becoming part of a solution in making the husband material community a safer place for men who have been through sexual abuse. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, husband material men. Uh, Drew Boa is not here. He is on paternity leave at the moment. Uh, yay, they had a baby. Everyone's healthy in the meantime. Uh, I'm Mike Chapman. I'm husband material certified coach. And with me is Doug Carpenter, who is also a husband material moderator and uh, author and uh, a psychiatrist and psychologist. All. Psychologist. <laughs> no meds, right? No meds. Can't do the meds. All right. Today is National Male Survivor Awareness Day. Male Survivor 
men healing and a few other secular groups that work with survivors, specifically male survivors, decided to make an awareness day. I looked into what the idea of male survivor awareness day and thinking not only do we want to honor the survivors, but also awareness, helping non-survivors understand how to work with us, uh, how to step alongside us on our recovery journeys, what to look for, how to help us, how not to help us, and just to understand us better. We've got several guests that some are going to be live. Some sent us things ahead of time because they could not be here live. Douglas, can you introduce yourself? And I believe you where there was different statistics and so forth from your book and your research uh, yeah. that you've written this wonderful book and workbook series. I've got the workbook here handy. Uh, Secret Shame. And I've got the book handy. And you got the book handy. Yay. Uh, of course. And tons of statistics and so forth about this. You've done so much research and it was a very beneficial uh, book as well. Uh, what statistics would you like these people to know? So, So one thing I would say is that I have been treating survivors um, for about 25 years. I am myself a survivor as well. Um, And I never found a really good resource that helped uh, men fully understand their abuse, the effects of the abuse, how it is currently playing out in their lives, and then specifically how it was connected to issues of addiction uh, such as sexual addiction, uh, pornography use, and, and uh, sexual dysfunction. So I set out about seven years ago to write this book, um, so that way it would be pretty much the most comprehensive book out there on the subject, linking the two um, ideas. So the book is full of research that I have done um, and that I have reviewed along with my own writings um, on the topic. So tonight we wanted to share many of the statistics that are in the book with you, just so you would have an awareness. Again, this is about awareness of how male sexual abuse affects an an individual that it happens to and the various statistics. So the first one that's the most important is that it's been estimated that one in six men have been Um, have had at least one incident of sexual abuse by the age of 18. And you can read more about that on the statistic that says um, oneinsix.org. That's a great resource uh, with lots of helpful uh, information. The second point is boys are most vulnerable between the ages of 8 and 12. A lot of times perpetrators do not like to uh, perpetrate boys as they get into adolescence because they're getting stronger. They're understanding what's going on. They're able to fight off. The statistical median, the median is the middle score uh, for the age of abuse is 9.6 years or 9.9 years of age. So that's, that's the average, the median age at which abuse occurs. Um, many of you know this from being part of the Husband Material Academy, but the first exposure to inappropriate sexual images online is somewhere between the ages of 8 and 11. Um, there are many different research articles that are currently out right now 
Um, and all those fall within the, the ages of eight to 11. And it's also important to know that um, not all men who are sexually abused experience uh, some type of negative symptoms that last into their adult years. Only 60% of, of people who experience male sexual abuse have some kind of noticeable symptoms that they can identify in their lives. So 40% of men uh, do not have uh, symptoms. They were resilient enough. Um, one thing that helps with that is if they disclose very quickly and whoever they disclose to is a very supportive person to them. A lot of times it won't have lasting effects. So a lot of it depends on what happened uh, during the, uh, the abuse, uh, what happened with the immediate disclosure. Right. Two large studies that looked at men and disclosure determined that uh, men wait an average of 25 to 26 years before they ever disclose that something happened to them. And that puts most of them in between the ages of 30 and, and 50. So somewhere between that 20-year time span is typically when men begin to disclose their abuse or, or even come to an awareness that something actually happened to them. Many men, uh, because of the nature of the abuse, uh, question, was, was that abuse? Right. That was uh, true in my own case. I blocked it out till age 30. And, but a lot of times men choose not to disclose because they think they won't be believed. And so, yeah, it's uh, 20 plus years after the fact that they finally feel they can trust someone or yes. they even realize that it was abuse. Or, or, and a lot of times they're thrown into some kind of treatment environment because of some other issue, either criminal behavior, alcoholism, drug addiction, something that then discovers and finds that the root of these problems is childhood sexual abuse. Right. Um, there's sense. actually uh, a question being thrown up in the Q&A section right now that I'm actually going to get to right now. There is research that indicates that close to 20,000 children with disabilities are sexually abused per year. And this is from RB asking, are there statistics for male and females with disabilities? as far as the one in six? There are. I only examined um, males, and not females, in, in my research. But in the research, I it's been identified that about 20,000 uh, children per year. And there was actually a national report in 2003 that stated 68% of children with disabilities at some point will be a victim of sexual violence. So children with disabilities are four to seven times more likely to be abused than children who do not have disabilities. And so that's, that's very important for all of us to increase our awareness of that if you have a child with any kind of disability, a learning disability, uh, a mental physical disability, that puts them at greater risk of, of abuse and they need more prote protection. Right. 71% of child sex offenders are under the age of 35. Yeah, I saw that. That was amazing. So mm -hmm. most perps yes. are younger adults yes older adults not the dirty old man stereotype right not that stereotype you're exactly right mike 
One study reported that one in seven incidents of sexual assault perpetrated by juveniles took place during the weekday and that it's typically after school between the hours of 3 to 7 p.m. With those school-aged children, it happens during the week and it typically happens right after school between 3 and 4 p.m. is at the highest mark. The peak hours for adolescent assault is for ages 12 to 17 is the late evening hours so because adolescents tend to stay up later. They're not monitored right. as well. And so that's when things tend to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And probably have as permission a, to go out. Yes. Folks more so than the, the younger children. But after school, yeah. that's startling. Also. And there are a couple of really great sites. If you want to look at statistics of abuse in relation to the church, bishopaccountability.com. Org, I think, is another one. There's another um, organization called SNAPS um, that that you can look at. I can't remember off yeah, the top it's, of it's my Snap, head. It's uh, yeah, SNAP.org, I believe. It's yep. um, survivors something uh, abused by priests. Yes, it's, so, it's by priest. I don't remember what the N and the A right, stand for. Right. Um, But as of 2018, 7,002 priests, which comprised 5.9 of all Catholic priests, had been uh, charged with as a childhood sexual abuser, with a total of 20,052 known victims. Wow. So there, you know, this can really be a problem in in certain religious sects, and I'm not just pointing out the Catholic Church there. No, I mean, that's well publicized there. It happens in other religions as well. Mm-hmm. Research indicates that in the last 25 years that males reported a slightly greater uh, degree uh, or occurrence of PTSD than females who were victims of childhood sexual abuse. Now, that's really important. I think that's something that yeah. we need to really increase awareness of because there are some research that shows that uh, Sexual abuse to a male um, results in more PTSD than females. Now, it's just slightly, and I'm not discounting uh, right. abuse happening to females, but you know, so, know there's, so many, there's so many myths that that males aren't affected by this, or because their body responds, they wanted it. And this research does not back that up. That that shows that that is a myth. Right. Why why is PTSD higher in males than females? Do they know why? Well, I think some of it it the shame factor is so high for males because there's so many layers of shame involved in that. Like there's societal shame, like you're supposed to like sex, there's physical shame, my body responded. So there's multiple layers layers of shame where I think that shame then becomes toxic shame for the male, where a female when it's when she's perpetrated or penetrated, they're more easily and readily able to see themselves as a victim, where a male has layers of shame thinking, was I a participant right? versus being a victim when they truly are a victim. That makes sense. Uh, one study found that men who have experienced adult child forced sexual contact are two, are two times more likely to suffer from sexual dysfunction such as premature ejaculation or what we consider hypoactive sexual desire, not having any sexual interest at all. 
Um, According to the leading sex addiction specialist, Dr. Patrick Carnes, he found that 80% of sex addicts report a history of childhood sexual abuse. So there's a huge correlation there. And that's one reason why I specifically wrote the book that I wrote, because there wasn't enough information out there linking those two things in an understandable way of, of how they're related. It's estimated that three to six percent of the population population struggles with sexual addiction. That equ- equates to about twelve million adults. So, a, a high percentage of them have been sexually abused. One study reported that sexually uh, victimized males were eight times more likely to report having worked as a sex worker compared to non-sexually abused men. Right. Um, One large study indicated that male sexual abuse survivors show a 14% increase in sexual promiscuity. So, you know, a a person who's sexually abused as a child, this awakens their sexual interest and desire much earlier than it should, typically in what we consider the latency stage of life, ages 6 through 12. And so then they're much more likely to become involved in sexual uh, behavior and promiscuity with multiple partners. Right. Um, uh, there is a question um, again from our, the, do you have information on sexual anorexia? You touched on it. Well, san- uh, sexual anorexia is, is very sim- similar to what I talked about with hypoactive sexual diet desire right. disorder. So in the book, I do talk about uh, how, sexual abuse can lead to sexual anorexia and there are actually multiple reasons why i don't have any statistics off the top of my head there might be in there is a whole chapter in the book on sexual anorexia so um that is considered a sexual dysfunction that can result from from sexual abuse right it's also interesting that 46% of gay men report a history of sexual abuse and so the, I talk a lot about the link uh, between sexual identity confusion uh, and homosexuality as a as a result of of being sexually abused. Male survivor and the the four groups that uh, hosted their version of Male Survivor Awareness Day, they had two different events. Uh, the all the males that they invited were all LGBTQ, and I think they're more comfortable talking about it they're more comfortable with their sexuality right and so it's more easy for them to come out and talk about it and it's probably very difficult for them to find someone who is not in that group willing to talk and they said right. one of the groups was looking for people who'd be willing to share their stories and they got very little interaction one of the right. other and just because i'm throwing that statistic out there that 46 percent of gay men report a history of sexual abuse i am not suggesting that being sexually abused makes you gay. That's another myth. Right. Okay. I'm just showing that there's a correlation between those two things. I'm not saying that there's causation. Right. Okay. So I just want to make that clear because I know a lot of people could jump on that misinterpreting what I'm trying to say there. Um, 25 to 39% of men who have sex with men Having men who have sex with men are men who identify as heterosexual, but will go out and have sex sex with men. 
So the studies have shown that 25 to 39 percent of men who have sex with men report a history of childhood sexual abuse. And I talk about that in the book because it's probably really a PTSD reaction. Mm -hmm. And men will go out and have sex with other men for uh, multiple reasons that I talk about in the book. Right. um, As and how it relates to male sexual abuse. And the last statistic that I want to throw out, because I want to get on to some of the other cool things that we have planned tonight, is that in over 90% of reported cases, females use persuasion rather than actual uh, force or threats or threatened force when committing sexual offenses. You know, we we talk about male survivors and we all think in our mind that per- perpetrators are always male. The majority of perpetrators are male, but there is a pretty large percentage, uh, and I don't have the specific percentage off the top of my head, but females do abuse as well. And so I don't want us to negate men who might be here that were sexually abused by a female in your life. We want to validate that for you, that that was abuse and and you are very much part of today's event and deserve to have just as much light and awareness shown on your abuse as men who've been sexually abused by men. Today's not about who your perpetrator was. Today's event is about that it happened to you. And it's also recognizing those abused as adults. And that was one thing I experienced as well. I was 20 when a minister uh, uh, sexually assaulted me. Uh, That there's a lot of that that happens as adults. So it's not just childhood abuse, but also abuse as adults. And it's also yes. uh, men yes. are. The, the today is about not just childhood sexual abuse, but male sexual assault. You know, right. you may have been raped by another male or even a female as an adult man. And that's that's very possible. So right. this is for people who've experienced sexual violation in at any age. Right. Right. Yes. Thank you for all that, Doug. That's wonderful information. Uh, Now, part of what I do at uh, Husband Material, we have a subgroup that's free with your, if you're part of the uh, HM app, we have a free subgroup support group for survivors of abuse. Uh, We call it a CSA support group, but it's not just for child abuse. It's also those abused by adults. And I posed in that group, uh, what is one thing you wished non-survivors in husband material understood better about being a survivor so they can work with and understand us better? I got uh, a dozen different responses that I'll be sharing throughout the evening, and I've got a few I want to share first. Uh, the first one is I would want them to understand how catastrophic and deeply impactful the fallout from abuse is for men. They often, like Doug said earlier, don't start processing it until their 30s through their 50s. This is why their worlds come tumbling down on them at a period when they should be their strongest. This is not weakness. It is PTSD and should be respected as such. Uh, Second response is, for me, the abuse felt good. It wasn't a negative. I actually didn't define it as abuse until recently. I learned to receive acceptance I had to perform sexually. Couple this with a rejection from my father. I was a perfect target. I guess 
What I would want someone to know is that someone may not even know they were abused. Those are all very important because I think so many men don't realize they were abused or an older brother, an older cousin, an older neighbor showed them the ropes. Well, no, that's not really what happened. That person was using you for the purpose of sexual gratification of their own. Right. And that was abuse. Jordan wanted to share his story. I asked him specifically. He had been working on his story. um, And I will share that video in a moment. He could not be with us live. Let me set that up. And there we go. Hello, husband, material men. My name is Jordan. And today I will be sharing with you my survival story. It's very sobering for me to share with all of you today. My story isn't a usual one. And all of our stories are unique. And there is power in the telling of story. Some of you may be able to relate what I went through. I want to pray as I share with you. God. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the men that are watching. God, we all have a story to tell. Story of horrible things done to us and the story of you redeeming us. God, would you speak through me today? And would you speak to me? God, would my story encourage the men that are watching today? And would you speak to all of us and we would experience your love for us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, growing up, I had a fairly normal childhood. I grew up in the 80s and 90s, had a few friends, watched TV, movies, played outside for hours, and I enjoyed video games. I have two older brothers, my mom and dad, and we go to church every Sunday. As the youngest and more sensitive one in our family, I felt at times like I didn't belong. My brothers would beat me up, and it was hard to defend myself. Also, my mom and I were very close and we had an enmeshed relationship. As I was getting older, my parents never talked to me about sex, and there was no education in my school. I saw a picture of a naked woman from one of my friends on a poker card. Me and my friends would try to get a hold of magazines and share them with each other on old VHS tapes. My freshman year of high school, At our church, they took us through some material on development. We were given a pamphlet about puberty and what would happen. Then we were shown a film in our class of moms giving birth. It was quite traumatic because we saw these babies coming out of their mothers and they showed everything. I was intrigued by it but also shocked that we were watching a video like this at church. We were shown the film and then we left. There was no dialogue about it. And that video has been forever seared in my mind. 
Fast forward two years, and it's my junior year of high school. It's the first day of school, and I feel pretty excited and optimistic about the new year. I walk down the hall to my classes, and I get made fun of by a few classmates, which wasn't surprising because it had happened before. First period ends, I walk to go to my next class. More names fly at me. I ignore it to be the better man. I'm kind of getting a little bit confused by why, why it's happening a lot more than usual. Later at lunch in the cafeteria, several more people unload name after name after name at me. Queer. Fag. Homo, bitch, gay, and guys, way worse than any of those. And it didn't end there. So I went from class to class, sometimes even during class, got called every name in the book. I was a cheerleader in high school. I was the only guy on the team, and because of that, people thought I was gay. At this time period, it wasn't very common for guys to do this, especially in my high school in the late 90s. I also lived in a very small town in Texas where football is king, and you don't sway from tradition. I was really good at gymnastics, and my tumbling skills secured a spot on our varsity team. The first day ends, and I'm thinking to myself, thank God that is over. Second day, third day, fourth day, tenth day of school, it doesn't let up. I experience what feels like an onslaught of verbal sexual abuse and bullying on a daily basis. If you've ever watched a movie where the main character is being talked about by everyone and being made fun of, that was me. And it actually didn't stop with me. My family also experienced bullying as well. At times, I would try to fight back with words, but they seemed to hit nowhere. I was so confused. And I felt powerless, like something was wrong with me. Even some of my own teammates joined in with everyone. I felt like no one was on my side, except my three close friends and my family. I was struggling with the words that people were telling me, and I felt like an outsider, like I didn't belong and that everyone was against me. I would try my best to have a great attitude about everything and act like nothing was wrong. And that's what my family taught me to do. At that time, I didn't even know how to fight for myself on such a scale, which probably nobody does. And I learned that I just had to take it to be strong and endure. The bullying did lessen as the year went on, 
but anger and bitterness began to take root toward those who bullied me. I felt rejection, disrespected, and alone. I desired so badly for it to all end and to be accepted. Later that summer, I went on a trip to a water park with one of my friend's church group. We were having fun, and at some point on one of the days, these two teenage guys walked up to me. They had been talking with one of the girls in our group, and she told them that I was a cheerleader. They asked me some questions about it, and then they left me. Well, as we get back into the water park, we're swimming in a lazy pool, and these guys started swimming after me. At one point, they pulled me underwater, and they started pulling on my swimsuit to try and take it off. And one of the guys, as he's grabbing at me, he actually grabs my penis. They're laughing at me as I try to swim away and calling me names. I pushed them off of me, swam to the side of the pool, and jumped out. I felt shocked at what these guys had done to me. But I already knew how to dismiss what happened. This event didn't resurface until just a month ago, and I've been processing with God about what had happened to me. Again, I felt rejection, and I felt like I didn't belong. All of these experiences eventually led me to looking up gay pornography in college and becoming highly addicted. Thankfully, I found a church with great community and have been able to experience love, acceptance, forgiveness, and healing. There's more to my story, and I'm thankful that God has been working to reverse what happened to me. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. I think Jordan's story is very powerful. I I talk about uh, in my book a portion of of something called gen- emotional gender abuse, and that's where boys are often made fun of uh, for something that is not mainstream. Uh, considered masculine and like cheerleading would be be an example or boys that are into art or music or you know something like that and then how they get bullied and often sexually abused like in the locker room or made fun of or um you know grabbed at such as what jordan was and and emotional gender abuse often leads to some kind of of physical acting out as well that is considered sexual abuse. So I I thank Jordan for sharing the story and it's very powerful. And I think it's something that probably many people who are listening today can, can relate to. Right. Definitely. Um, Let's continue. Uh, I've got another, what uh, should non-survivors know? I've got another story from that. Let me read that. I resisted answering this for a few days, not because there isn't a lot to say, but because my fatigue in general has pushed me away from delving deep. And so maybe that's my answer, that this stuff goes deep into every fiber and memory. 
it colors almost everything for me and is never far away from my assessment of my life and myself. Of course, I pushed it down and played it, downplayed it for years. I'm fine. That was all in the past. Neither are true. But as I'm dealing with my abuse openly and courageously, I've realized how this weight has hung around my neck for years and debilitated me. What I think I would want people to know is that true healing never looks like forgetting. It looks like scar tissue that no longer hurts. It may even, with time and the grace of Jesus in conjunction with my willing ascent, look like glory, strength, and redemption, but it never, ever looks like nothing. Yeah, we've got another video. Uh, Chris would like to share. He sent his video as well. He was not able to attend. Uh, let me set that up. Hi, I'm Chris F. And for Male Survivor Awareness Day, I wanted to share with you a poem that I wrote about my abuse. And I also wanted to share something about what it's like to be a survivor to those of you who haven't experienced this. I would say that we survivors are more than our wounds, but our wounds are always present. I also want to say that healing does come, but there's always scar tissue. But I really believe that like Jesus, we can be known by our scars and that we can act as wounded healers. So I want to read a poem to you that I wrote about my abuse called Russian Roulette. And just some backstory for you. When I was about five years old, and this is the era of my abuse, my parents brought home and put into our playroom an old heavy desk and put up a, a very heavy metal sign from my grandfather's office building. Now, we didn't know what was in the desk. In fact, my grandfather had been dead for a number of years before this. So as my dad was going through the desk on that first day, in one of the drawers, he found an old gun. Now he assumed that the gun was unloaded. He picked up the gun, pointed it at the metal sign, and found out that he was very wrong. Russian roulette. Dark wood paneling welcomes cumbersome steel desk, impossibly heavy metal sign, brush brown and brass, Phillips building. Hanging heavy in my playroom, impenetrable legacies of a grandfather, a decade dead. He is a mystery. Now, silent clues sit in my playroom, a squat, glowering presence. The game to play is Russian roulette. Dad pulls open a drawer. Mysteries lie within. From depths of memory, he pulls out a gun. Dull gray. Hearts pounding. What is it doing here? It's probably unloaded. No need to check. He aims at the building, the Phillips building sign, and pulls. Explosion, flash, bullet on ringing metal, pain and confusion, eardrums bursting. Who is screaming? Who is screaming? It is me. Me. Russian roulette, and I have lost. Babysitters come and go. Mom and dad are busy, busy. Bridge club, daiquiri parties, laughter in polyester, joy rides in the MG in the muggy southern twilight. Where do we find babysitters? Mom and dad need a break. This one will do. Hurry up, please. What is he doing here?
It's probably okay. No need to check. We need to get going. Russian roulette. And I have lost. Years later, buried in a basement pile, I stumble upon that sign. Phillips Building. Legacy of a grandfather, four decades dead. Smooth surface bent inward from blunt force trauma. I turn my head, listening for echoes of the blast. My fingers find the bend. A mound of metal, shiny and gold, domed with the violence of that day. Bent, but not pierced. Beautiful in a way. A story added to the secrets. A bullet wound from Russian roulette. Spin the chamber, pull the trigger. Probably unloaded. No need to check. Have I lost? Bent, not broken. Insides poking out and polished by years and the force of a bullet. Thank you. Yeah. Um, if you didn't catch the parallelism that he used comparing that event with the unload with the, with the father thought was an unloaded gun with let's just pull a random babysitter in. Oh, it's a male. Okay. Well, fine. We're busy. Let's go. And Russian roulette with random stranger not checked with their son who became their perp for Chris. Yeah, that's such a deep analogy yeah that he used in such a deep parallel of really the carelessness of his parents in their physical actions and in their moral choices of just randomly leaving their child with right. anyone anyone will do right as long as i'm there to go meet my own needs right and, and they really were playing russian roulette with his life not knowing who these babysitters were who then ended up abusing him just like his dad took the chance with firing the gun in a playroom that could have easily ricocheted off that and killed chris or anyone else in the room right exactly very profound yeah thank you chris for sharing that please join us next time as we continue with part two of hm's male survivor awareness day 2022 I'll see you then. If you would like to learn more about my coaching with Polar Live Consulting, where I provide one-on-one -on -one coaching and group coaching, both with a focus on healing for male survivors, reach out to me at polarliveconsulting.com. That is polar spelled P-O-L-A-R. I would love to hear from you. I want to hear your story. If you would like your story featured on this podcast, contact me via my website. If you like this podcast, please rate and review because that's how other people can find me. And I really want to spread this message of healing and hope to others. And remember, you are not alone. Healing is possible and the abuse was not your fault. Let me repeat that. The abuse was not your fault. See you next time on the Healing for Male Survivors podcast.